Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Doing what we can on this program, folks, to give you some tools to help you get through this crazy thing we call life. Welcome to the program. Today, we got a good one for you. I think they're all great. We we never disappoint. I mean, some of us do, but as a team, we deliver. Right, Sky? Yes. I like your new headset, Sky. Yeah, it's all right. Is that a Thanksgiving present? No, I was just in here when I got here, and it's a really short cable. Everything sounds different. Yeah. It feels different. Yeah. I wore them yesterday. Are they they wet? Yeah, they're a little warm, and they have some kind of liquid on them. Moisture. We call it moisture. Is it sweat? (laughs) Smell a bit like peanuts. Peanuts? (laughs) No, because he may have a peanut allergy. I wore them yesterday, and I found them very uncomfortable. Really? They gave me a headache. You find just about every headphone uncomfortable, though. Have you seen my head? Yeah, it's pretty large. It's malformed. <laughs> it's just those are very tight. Those are new. They are pretty tight. Is this the point in the show where we should tell everyone that you are, you were the inspiration for Gumby? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that, I've got that weird, like, <laughs> nail. What kind of head shape is Gumby? Trapezoidal? I was going to yeah. say trapezoid. Yeah, that's kind of awkward. <laughs> Yeah, that's my head shape. Actually, I have a very nice head. Perfectly shaped. I think it's about a, uh, oh, what size? Seven? No, seven and five-eighths? No. What's the hat size? That sounds like a hat size to me. I don't remember. Around seven. I used to, is it seven? Seven's a hat size. Seven, seven and five-eighths. Seven and five-eighths. I went to a Yankees game at Yankee Stadium before they switched stadiums. And the company that paid me to go speak, I won't name names, they bought me a hat, a Yankees hat, and it was a seven and like one, a seven and a quarter. It was way too small. Way too small. Gave me a headache. I could see you switching up your do a little bit though. No, you that's have the just, same it was hairdo. windy today. You should, no, no, like you should change it. It's always the same. Oh, you could see me switching yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, the ladies don't like that, Sky. I just, I just like to see it for personal curiosity. Would you? My hair people say you ought to switch up your do. And you say no? I fired him. Okay. <laughs> I don't even like them anymore. That's called, that's in the business world, we call that an aggressive no. That's an aggressive no. <laughs> Not only no, but you're fired no. Why would I switch up my hair? When you got hair like this, this is anchor hair. I've got anchorman, anchorman hair. You don't switch that up. All right. Some have raggedy and doll hair, some have anchorman hair. Is there any in betweens? No. Then there's Bryce's hair. <laughs> Thick. Glorious and flowing. Why are we talking about hair? You know why we're talking about it? Because some people are perfectionists. And some aren't. Are you a perfectionist? Deep. Just deep. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited for the next hour See, and 45 why we need minutes. To, that's why we need to video cast this. They, everyone would have seen me look at Sky right when I said, and some aren't. But no one else saw that. Yeah. I didn't even see it. I was looking down. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe you ought to just start watching the real show right here looking at. You. I was looking at the levels, you know. Yeah. I'm doing my job. Uh, are you a perfectionist guy? I am a perfectionist when it's something I actually care about. 
Give me an example. A selective perfectionist. I cared a lot about basketball. You're a selectionist. Up. Yeah. I cared a lot about basketball, so I would try to make my, when I played basketball, I was a perfectionist with my team, and if something wasn't right, I wanted to fix it. With English homework? Not so much. I hate it. Yeah. So much that I just want to get it done as soon as possible. So you're good for, you're good with a B. Well, I still go for A's. Like, I still get A's. Do you but feel I'll, bad? I will, do, I will do the bare minimum requirement to get an A. I won't go above and beyond. You're a lazy A. I'm a lazy A, but I get A's. I always knew that. But there's some people who an A is not good enough. It's got to be a paper that could be published in a journal every time they yeah, write a paper. not me. What a waste. <laughs> That's hard. Merritt? I was going to say, I'm the exact opposite of that. What are you? Basketball? Couldn't care. But. <laughs> you need to get your priorities straight. <laughs> but a movie. <laughs> but no, an English paper, I take any sort of anything on that is like really? a call to action slash challenge. It's like if something's know. not conjugated properly. Yes. Then that is like, not only will I fix that conjugation, but I see, will I see. Do you understand what paper. they're trying to say? Yeah. Did it, did it, did <laughs> Do you it understand the message? Did if you they, understand the message, who cares what words you're using no. or punctuation? It has to be awesome. It's bad. See, that's I also, scary. when professors say things like, um, now be cre- now try to be creative with your PowerPoint. I take Ugh. that as a challenge. I hate PowerPoint. It's probably kind of I hate PowerPoint too, which is I just did a speech a with a thousand cycle. people and there's a there was a typo on my first page. <laughs> and some guy comes up and says, "Hey, uh, I don't I don't know if you know this." And I'm like, "What? You have a, you misspelled this." It was more than a thousand people. It was 2000. You should have just gone home right then and be like, "All right, well, it's over." <laughs> and I'm like talking about the power of of uh of how you represent yourself. Uh, yep. <laughs> Botched that one. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. What was Maybe, the typo? Um, I can't remember, but it was on my title page. Because I changed the title page like the last second. Mm. Classic mistake. We all do Classic. That. I think it was an I before E except after C mm. problem. I hate those. It's a rule. Is that the rule still? Isn't it I before E except after C except in the word ceiling, which includes all of that right in the first little bit, right? Or am I spelling that one wrong? I don't know. No, but you're ruining my, my mojo, my There's flow. There's like a half dozen exceptions. I hate rules. Are you guys – so I don't sense any real perfectionists here. Um, Hold on. Oh. Cooking. See, you guys are selectionisms. Oh, just in general? You're perfectionist selectionists. There's too many aspects in, in my world that if I were to be perfectionist for all That's of them, That's it. That's probably what die. we do, huh? A real perfectionist just favors one area that they think they can do better in. So then in that sense, we're all perfectionists. Mm-hmm. Not me, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I don't really try to excel at anything. <laughs> Isn't that sad? I don't. It's sad. My wife tells me that every day. Are you happy? <laughs> yeah. Then it's not sad. It's happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Forget it. We are just tearing down barriers <laughs> on this show. <laughs> oh, man. So today on the show, we're talking about perfectionism and really the myth of the perfect girl okay we're gonna blow it up because i hear it from sky every day oh i just gotta find the perfect girl. <laughs> i don't know why he gets all lispy when he talks about it but he does and i'm like sky there is no perfect girl i mean they're perfect now but then you know eventually they'll get you they'll get they, you in the back then they dry out and get all wrinkly no but see the the deal is even a wrinkly person that's dry could be perfect in so many ways. I mean, not perfect. That's a, I don't even like the word perfect. But you can love them to death. You don't need to focus on the dry, wrinkly part. Actually, you know what? Uh, someone described it to me, uh, I don't know, sometime last week. 
someone was asking like, so uh, when you get married and stuff and you have this attractive person that you married, how do you like deal with that 40 years down the road? And someone said, think about it this way. When you get a dog, aren't puppies adorable? Aren't they oh, wonderful? So Don't cute. you just love puppies? And they lick your face. Right? But then they become not a puppy in like six months. Yeah. They chew on the peanut. And they look like a weird adolescent dog and then it only gets worse from there. But you still love that dog to death. Yes. That's great. But see, you're not looking at him to be perfect anymore. Nope. Right? Hmm. I think it's about expectation. Like what you expect, if you expect it to be perfect, it won't be. My father-in-law, on in preparation for our um, honeymoon, said, look, here's the deal. It's going to be really awkward. <laughs> Just be ready to laugh. And it totally changed my expectation. We laughed a lot. Expectation. See how that works? You could do the Just same thing. lower your expectations? Like you could do the same thing. I've been lowering my expectations on this show every day. <laughs> and uh, it works amazingly. And every day show gets better and better. I know. Isn't it amazing? When I, like I, I used to expect you to work, Sky, and show up and yeah. stuff. And then yesterday, no show. No show. Again, two people to replace you. It's costing us a fortune. Well, I, did, I, did I not prepare in advance? You kind of did. First of all, Victoria told me two weeks ago, I want to do every Monday show from now on. I was like, okay. Victoria so I, was playing you. So I trying te- to get you fired. I texted Bryce and I was like, is Victoria uh, there to cover me? I see. I see. She wanted you to not show up. And everyone would be like, Sky doesn't show up at work anymore. Let's fire him right now. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, she was right. I mean, she, or I guess she was telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. But it was very misleading. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You did send me. You contacted me. I yesterday. mean, I was going to come, but no, I, I was told it. I didn't need but to come. What I've done is, is I manage my expectations of you, Skyboy. I feel nothing but closer to you. Yeah, see? Like when I think you're going to show up maybe once in a while, boom, and you do. And I when, I, when I come, you get so excited Did to you see me. that? Yeah. I about popped out of my chair. <laughs> like, Sky's here! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, unrealistic expectations. Did you guys ever start something that and you had an unrealistic expectation that didn't turn quite the way you thought it did? College. Okay, that's a great example. Like you thought what? Well, number one, I was told it would be difficult. Um Whoa. In high school. Look at him. Mom, they were like, oh, college is going to be so <laughs> I thought hard. it was going to be so hard. But and if you, if you aren't good in high school, college is going to yeah. be really hard. I thought the ladies it, were going to just be all over. Yeah, not not true. <laughs> not one. There's There are females at college. Yeah, I got hit by one in the parking lot. <laughs> so they were kind of all over. Weren't you married like before you even went to college? No. But thank you. We need to build the timeline on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you never had to really date Didn't in college. You marry I dated your in college. High school. You dated your your girlfriend. Oh yeah. What are you who, talking about? Who's becoming your wife? That's why there weren't girls around, Matt. That's you true. Were, you were already tied down. She had that. <laughs> she had that look. He's mine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No wonder there were no girls. <laughs> why did I have an expectation of girls? <laughs> why, why? Why were you expecting girls when you were already kind of married? Dating. Oh married, man, that tells me dating. a lot about me. You were in kindergarten with your wife. Yeah, well, preschool. Preschool. Yeah. Then we broke up, and we didn't see each other for like 10 years. No, 15 years. Then we got back together. Love. Love. <laughs> it was, she, she was the perfect girl. I mean, she is the perfect girl. I, I think one thing that everyone kind of has unrealistic expectations about is their parents. Oh, I remember, boy. You know, when you're like a kid and you realize, oh, my gosh. 
my parents aren't like superheroes. Yeah. Perfect. Do you remember that moment though, where you're like, ah, oh, jeez, they're human. <laughs> these people. These uh, people. Speaking as the baby, once they get to that kid, the last kid, they've already given up. Yeah, but they've that given up. Not- but as a kid, didn't you think that like, you know what? They're so on top of it. They know what they're doing. I, I think by the time I was like four, that had already been shattered because <laughs> my parents were done trying to keep up the, the facade. Yeah. The, the That's act. when they gave up. Yeah. They're like, I'm a mess. Just eat your macaroni and shut your mouth. <laughs> that is so sad. Any, anyone else have unrealistic expectations? Oh, Skyboy. I've got one. Um, so hear me out. Okay. Uh, my friend and I were going to the Dollar Theater. Your friend? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Dollar Theater is a movie where you get to see it for a dollar. Oh, that's <laughs> really <a> dollar <laughs> theater. Really? <laughs> um, it's nice. Okay. And uh, so we were looking at all the available movies and we saw a title, and we had remembered seeing very, very funny previews for this movie. Oh, I, hilarious! Yeah. Movies previews. can be so. And it had a lot of Chris Rock in it, uh-huh. funny guy. And it was called. And now I'm going to embarrass myself. It's called "What to Expect When You're Expecting." Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a joke in there somewhere. I, every preview I saw was like Chris Rock and these like four dads like trying to raise their kids yeah. and like failing miserably. You think this could be hilarious? And funny, funny posters. Chris Rock was in it like. Maybe five minutes, five ten minutes out of the whole movie, and then you were stuck. I mean, it was it was watching like a movie about pregnant people. Pregnant Super people. Chick-like. It yeah. was horrible, hmm. horrible. <laughs> wow. I don't ever want to have to experience that but again in my life. Why don't you just give me your man card right now? <laughs> hey, it was an accident. Uh, did, when they were like giving you your tickets, did they look at you like, "What are you doing here?" I don't remember. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's see, that's a mismanaged expectation. It wasn't. It wasn't a girl I was with. I was with my friend, my buddy. Yeah. Like your buddy, the two of you. That the just two love. of us went to go see yeah. what to expect. Well, because you, you might be dad someday, right? You might. You that's, needed. That's not why we were going. To come see on. Movie. We wanted <laughs> to on. see some and, funny comedy. And you love babies. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I, get, I was the same way on our second child. You still love. I read the book. What to expect when you're expecting? Is that a book? Yeah, cover to cover. What to expect when you're expecting? What to expect after you've done expected? What to expect (laughs) when? um, What to expect for the first year? What to expect? What to expect to pay off your loans? The whole series. I've I've read the whole series. Fantastic books. (laughs) Moving, moving books. Not very funny movies. Yeah, horrible movies. Horrible. Great books about pregnancy. (laughs) Horrible movies, even if Chris Rock's in it. Um, again, that tells us a lot about you. That's That was great disclosure. We'll be able to use that for a long time. Merit? I have one. Got this it. Let's hear it. This is probably even less serious than everybody's. Wow. I can be less serious than Sky. Mine is pants. Like, like you expect pants like- on people. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you mean? What do you mean? No. When you go pants shopping, okay. I expect a few things. First, that they will have pants. that will, Or le- pant legs. Know, yeah. Thus well, pants. No, but here's the thing. There's this trend right now in women's clothing where they don't have pockets. The pants really? don't have pockets. They look like they have pockets, but they don't actually have So they're faking pockets, pockets. Faux pockets. So is it like there's a hole just like that leads into the pant leg or is it like they sew on what looks like a pocket entrance, but it's totally sealed? Yeah, it's, it's sealed. So it's just they have like the seam yeah. there, but yeah. there's not. So that's my thing is that. Every single time I've bought pants in the past two years, I expect that they will have pockets because that's a normal thing that the pants have. That's why my wife gives me all of her little chapsticks and stuff because she's pocket. It is the most frustrating thing. Yeah, that's hard. When you expect a pocket and you don't have a pocket to pick, 
since since growing up, I now understand why women have purses. Because now that I'm grown up and buying pants for a grown up person and not baggy jeans for kids, uh, pockets don't really have any room when you actually fit your pants. So that's why the purse. That's why you're getting all that stuff. Expectations. See, I don't know. I just want to say that. I like that. What about just shopping at Walmart? There's a lot of expectations broken there. <laughs> like I don't expect people to breathe on me when we're in line. Doesn't that bug you? Like, are you still breathing on me? Then I'm like, Skyblade, step back. That I was just me. excited. What's, to see what's nice is when their breath smells like Parmesan, and it reminds me, ah, I need to pick up some Parmesan. Well, there you go. Yeah, no, that's not that great. <laughs> no, I think it's great. No. <laughs> someone, someone whose yeah. breath smells like Parmesan. You're you're way too close. You, you write it down. Put it on your phone. Write it down. Remember Parmesan. Don't make some guys breathe on you. I really like speaking of this. I really hate when people are are close talkers or just Ugh. get so close. I can't stand like. Don't that. you expect that you should have space? Some space. I hate when when people like. There's lots of space and they stand mm-hmm. right next to me. Yeah. Happened the other day. I hate it when they like lean their head on your shoulder. You don't even know them. Yeah. Like get your head off my shoulder. Walmart happens a lot. That's what? the fl- that's the Friday Black Friday. That was my experience of Black Friday. I didn't even go. I drove by. I did a drive-by Black Friday. And someone still managed to breathe on you. (laughs) Weird. This is the guy I picked up. We're going to take a break. We're talking perfection and the myth of of the perfect girl. We're specifically focusing on the ladies. Uh, We've got a great author coming up who wrote a book about uh, the myth of the perfect girl. And uh, we're going to blow up the myth, give you some tools to how to teach your daughter to... uh, See yourself with maybe some new expectations, a little less perfection. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Our own Skyboy's got a new headset on, so he's kind of coming in and out on the music a little harder today. Is it harder to drive with that new headset? Yes. Everything sounds different. It was like different. How do I sound now? I sound like a girl. Wow, really? Yeah, it's weird. That's supposed to be my sultry voice. (laughs) Hey, we're talking uh, the myth of the perfect girl and perfectionism, and our own, who would know this better than Bryce Lamar Tobin, who is... A specimen of perfection. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. A perfectionist. I do work out my abs occasionally. You do. Every third month. <laughs> Every you do spring. An ab workout. Every spring. What? Uh, you got a little rant for us here. Is this a rant? This is indeed a rant. And, More like a recommendation. Well, so what, just give us a little bit of it. Just a little ditty. You know, it's, it's good to do things well, mm-hmm. but you don't want to let that get out of hand. Yeah. Don't be too good. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Hello, ladies. Isn't it cool how we've realized girls can do lots of things just as well or better than boys? Equality is some pretty cool stuff. These days, if you want to be on top of the world, anyone can do it. But coming from the gender that took the lead for most of history, there's something I'm worried about. Aside from the whole gender thing, high performance always demands higher expectations. So ladies, I'm worried these expectations are about to get out of control. Let me give you a lesson in coasting, or as I like to call it, negligible improvement. We dudes have been masters of it. The first step is to prevent 
the competition from ever participating. But you have to do it right. You can't say, hey competitor, don't compete with me. Competitors are problematic because they demand progress. And there's no limit to how much they can demand. It's bad enough that they make you have to do things better. Then they go and make you have to do things a lot better. I mean, think about it. If you girls figured out how to open jars, why would you even need to keep me around? As long as I keep you convinced that they're hard to open, and I keep the secret technique to myself, I don't ever have to be good at anything else. The second step is to only improve as much as you have to. So let's say you've successfully convinced the competition to go away. Now you are your only competition. The worst thing you could do is go and shoot that success in the foot by being successful. Once you have no competition, this is the golden point. If you go and perform really well at being the new town mayor, for example, then you have to keep that up. And that can be hard. And the goal of negligible improvement is for things to never be hard. Though eventually someone is going to demand that you show that you're doing things better. That's where the third step comes into play. Last but not least, get everyone else in on negligible improvement. Make it the status quo. Once it's the norm, competitors won't show up, nobody will gripe when you aren't consistently making things better, and you can just keep on coasting. Because what's the point of being on top if not to relax and not have to do anything anymore? So ladies... We're happy to pass the torch on to you, but I just wanted to offer some friendly advice so that you don't want to lose the torch right after you got it. You are improving things so much, I'd hate for that improvement to get out of hand. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Wow. The art of coasting. Ah, it's hard. It's hard to do. You've mastered it. It has become an art form for you. It's when you work hard enough, you can work not that hard. So, get rid of competitors. Get rid of the competitors. Coast. Um, Well, just don't, you know, don't do better than yourself. Like, don't... Sandbag, I call it. Sandbag. Sandbagging. I don't know. I like that, though. Sounds awful. Yeah, I think you're just, like, building a wall that's going to protect you. And then just just make, convince everyone that this is how it's going to be, and it's normal, and they shouldn't fuss about it. Really? And then you don't have to try very hard. I know, but what, what if their competition is just with themselves? Yes, but if you compete with yourself, that's, that's like shooting yourself in the foot. Like, you are the best. Hang out there. Like, if you, <laughs> Hang like, out there. Enjoy it. This is where good. you are. Like, if you do really well and then you keep doing well, and then if you stop doing so well, then you're a failure. Wow. That was heavy. I don't know. That's just how I feel about the Olympics. That's what I see happening every time. Well, see, but it seems like they're there because they did compete. Well, I, I don't know. It's, it seems like the Olympics is like everything's great, but nobody's happy about it. Like this guy who runs faster than everyone didn't run as fast as he did last year. He must be, um, you know, yeah, this must, yeah, this must be the end of it for him. It's like He's that doing... gymnastic girl with her face when she got silver. That famous picture. What's oh, her name? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have no idea what her name she's is. Got she's got like, like she's like on the podium getting a silver medal. Me sad. Like, only got mm, a silver. She's pouting on like the... in the world. <laughs> You are the second yeah. across every other human. Yeah. <laughs> High five. Yeah. Like, why is that not awesome? You could, you could outrun everyone else. Yeah. Except like there's, one. There's one person you know probably shouldn't race against. But you could one. take out her leg like Tanya Harding did. Ooh. Just whack it, with a, <laughs> whack it with a pole, and then you're one. Then Was you're number one. Sarah Kerrigan? Uh, uh, Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. And Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding. Great, great memories. See, there's an example. Myth of the perfect skater. Boom. Take out a leg. Game. No more perfect skater. I don't know. Didn't she go on to compete the next year and do really well? Or yeah. the next? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't know. It's sad because I think that's the problem with perfection. You're only as good as today. And you're only happy with yourself today because tomorrow's another fight. Mm. 
So if that's what these young girls are going through, it's funny. I think the guys go through a different thing. You know Couch I mean? potatoing. That's what I call it. Well, I think it's probably... We, How much can we get for doing the littlest amount? Uh, yeah. Efficiency. That's what that's <laughs> called. Efficiency. Now, you guys talk about that in a, with a very proud tone. <laughs> but I, I don't think you ought to be that proud. I, that wasn't proud. I was just stating a fact. <laughs> just being real. Can a guy not be real? Yeah. Hmm. So we're sandbaggers. Mm, and it's pretty good. And the ladies... They want to be the best they can be. And that's cool. I just, just I want to make them aware, you know. Man. Anna Homayun's going to be joining us. A great expert who's going to teach us and the author of a, uh, a wonderful book that we're going to be getting into deep. The Myth of the Perfect Girl. Helping our daughters find authentic success and happiness in school. Anna Homayun will be joining us. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're taking on the myth of the perfect girl. Blow that up. It's hard because Sky Boy's been looking for that perfect girl for, I don't know, 38 years now. Is that how old you are, Sky? Well, I started looking when I was 18, so. Wow. 38 plus Late 18. starter. Yeah. <laughs> now he's 38. It's really funny because they don't know how old you are because we've said you were 16 on the show and we've told, we just said that you were 38. Yeah. In search of the perfect age for If Scott. you want to guess my age, give us a call. Give us a call. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. <laughs> 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We have got a, an awesome guest today. Uh, again, what we're trying to do is take on the myth of the perfect girl. And we thought, who better to do that than a wonderful woman, Anna Homayun. I've got to get her name right. Anna Homayun is the author of The Myth of the Perfect Girl, Helping Our Daughters Find Authentic Success and Happiness in School. She's also written another book for boys, so we'll get into that a little bit as well today. But when she was just 22 years old, she founded Green Ivy Education Consulting, LLC, a nationally recognized organization that works with thousands of parents, students, and educators. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, ABC News, Huffington Post, NPR, and the Matt Townsend Show. On the Leadership Council for the Bay Area Chapter of the Year Up Organization, a nonprofit working to improve the lives of urban youth, she also holds a master's in counseling and pupil a personal personnel services credential from the University of San Francisco. You can find her website, Anna Homayun, H-O-M-A-Y-O-U-N dot com, where you can get more information about everything. She's, she's got videos there, wonderful resource for you and your daughters, and I believe your sons will find out as well. Anna, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for... Uh, Helping us address this issue, it's it seems like, uh, and you correct me on this. It seems like girls, and I have a daughter and five boys, and so I only have one child that I've daughter that I've gone through. But it seems like the girls and the concept of perfection, they play it much differently than my boys do. 
Um, absolutely. And that is one of the reasons why I wrote the book. So I had more and more girls who were coming into my office who were have all sorts of accomplishments and accolades and great grades and all of these things. Yeah, they're doing they're doing great stuff. They're doing great stuff. And then I would say, hey, what do you like to do for fun? And they would look at me as if I had three heads. Fun. And what do you mean, fun? I don't have time for fun. Oh. And, and what was also happening at the same rate is that they were burnt out. I was talking to college admissions officers and student affairs officers at colleges, and they were telling me that they were seeing more and more um, students more and more female students with mental health issues, depression, anxiety, things that weren't being addressed because huh. a lot of times they didn't have the coping skills to deal with the stress. Okay. They were go, go, going and exhausted. So my, the poet of the book is really, what are the things that we can start talking about earlier with girls and young adult women so we don't get to the point where they're burnt out and overwhelmed and have all of the issues that we're seeing more and more? Yeah, I was thinking that that was a mommy problem. Well, you know what I mean? Like moms do that because they're so worn out. But it right. seems like I guess it's a girl problem. Well, it's really interesting that you say that because so many moms from around the country have written me after reading the book with their daughters. It's a great book to read I with. I bet, together. And they've said, you know, I read this or I went to go read this for my daughter, but I really hmm. started looking at myself and, you know, started reflecting internally more than I ever thought that I was going to. Yeah. And I found some things that were really helpful for me, too, which I think is really important if we're trying to have this conversation with girls. Some of these things have not been addressed for women as well. Right, right. And, well, and it's it's uh, it, it seems like I, I even don't understand it because I, I, um, I was raised in a home. My parents divorced. And raised by my mom and three sisters. But just the intensity that they seem to bring to every issue, from getting ready to getting grades to finding boyfriends to breaking up, it always seems so exhausting for me. So maybe I was suffering, but I thought I would have a kind of an inside track on understanding these problems that girls are facing. But I don't think I have a clue. And if I don't, I'm betting a lot of guys don't get it. Well, not only that, but it's changed. I mean, even since you were a child, the things that are going on right now are things we didn't have 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. In the increased academic expectations. Think about when you went to take a standardized test versus the kind of prep that a lot of kids are doing today. Or yeah. Oh, yeah. Or the pressure around college admissions. Yeah. And we know that... You know, there are more girls applying to college um, with greater numbers, and by numbers I mean grades and test scores, in comparison to their male peers than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, you know, there's several other reasons, but um, technology and social media. Social media, media sure. Um, when people look online and they look at external standards of success, and it's constantly being berated to them 24-7. It really changes the way girls perceive themselves in ways that parents don't always realize because mm -hmm. they're not on the same social media and they're not fully aware about everything that's going on. And so they can't really understand. You know, 70% of, for example, 70% of Snapchat users uh -huh. um, are female. Really? Because people don't know that. And so what is going on in terms of how girls are communicating, how young women are communicating, how the conversation is changing? Is it warping? It seems like that social media is maybe warping the expectation as, as all of the, I see a ton of women, you know, 
pinning things and and they're showing the dinner they made, the incredible four course dinner. So it sets this expectation that not only am I a working mom, but I'm also an incredible cook. It's almost like we're heightening the expectation of everything we're doing. Right, and what the, what ends up happening is one of this the big issue is this whole myth that you can and should be able to do it all all yeah. the time. Yeah. And more and more, that's what online is showing these girls, because you're looking at someone else's, what I like, someone else's highlight reel, uh-huh. and you're comparing it to the reality of your own life as a teenage girl or a young adult. And a lot of times, these young people don't have the emotional and social resilience. They're still developing those skills. And so one of the things that becomes very complicated, if they're not having the conversations with their parents, or their parents aren't fully aware of what they're doing online... And that's just one small example. Yeah. Um, it, what what ends up happening is sort of this culture of perfectionism that that goes in deep and um, can manifest in other ways. Huh. It's, uh, I mean, it's interesting. They they have more depression as well, and it's it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's probably such a complex problem. Maybe we we can't fully get its cause, right? We can't get the root. We just know it keeps. Evolving. Well, the reason why I wrote the book is really for two reasons. One, to help parents understand what the situation is for teen girls today. And that's what the first two chapters really deal with the issue. You know, why did, why are we here? And then the rest of the book is really full of prescriptive solutions on what we can do to change the culture for our girls Mm. and for ourselves. And the last four chapters are all about wellness, social wellness, physical wellness, emotional wellness and spiritual wellness, because those are the issues that when we address those things, we're going to see a lot less of the snarkiness, the mm-hmm. meanness, the constant competition, the never feeling good enough. And so I have, it's, the book is full of exercises, and if parents go online to my website, they can actually download a 20-page free reader's guide that they can do with their daughter. Oh, great. Full of exercises that that can help them start this conversation because it's all about starting the conversation, right? Yeah. And and getting girls to start to reflect and think about what is the life they want to build for themselves and what are their choices and actions that they're doing that are helping them get there mm-hmm. and what are they doing that's hindering sort of their own definition of success. Yeah. It seems like uh, if you're really good at accomplishing goals, you can set them for the rest of your life. But I mean, is it possible? I mean, maybe we shouldn't be setting more and more goals. Maybe just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, what happens, I guess, when we're too focused as a male or a female on on success and goal orientation? And Well, it's interesting that you say that because last week I had a conversation with um, a millennial. She was 20, she's 27, mm-hmm. and she had just moved to San Francisco. And I was meeting with her um, for a completely other reason, and she, I didn't realize she had read my book. And so she starts talking about my book. And then, then I'm finally like, wow, you really have read the book because she's telling me all yeah. these things that were really helpful. She pulls out an underlined and tabbed copy. And I was amazed. I was like, wow. Really? But what was so Highlighted. great about it, why I bring it up. No, yeah. really. I was like, it was like the biggest compliment you can ever uh-huh. get as an author. But why I bring it up is because she started telling me about the decisions she made differently after reading the book. For example, she had moved recently to San Francisco. And she decided to then, she didn't know that many people, so she decided in addition to her full-time job, she was going to go to school on nights and weekends to get her MBA. Hmm. 
And so basically fill it, what she called, you know, I talk in the book about filling the box. What's the next thing I can do to yeah. busy myself? And then this um, pr- promotion came along, right? And so at her office, and she's like, okay, I'm going to go after that. And she was reading the book, and then she stopped to say, wait, why am I going after that promotion? I'm in school right now. I'm working full time. Why am I doing that? Is it just one thing because I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing? Right. Um, to fill up my time for the fact that I don't have a friend network here and I'm still building that and uh-huh. sometimes the weekends are lonely and I'd really like to, you know, fill that time. Otherwise, what can I do to make those harder decisions? And she actually decided to, to pass over the promotion and stay where she was for the time being while she completes school because that was just a healthier option sure. for her. Well, which, imagine that she could relax. Imagine that yeah, she could exactly. decompress. Uh, maybe she might be less stressed long term, and and actually be more successful. That's my argument. It's not. Yeah, that right. I'm I'm against success. Yeah, at all. you're anti-success, Anna. No. <laughs> Holding the woman down is what you're doing, Anna. Totally, totally. No, I'm all about helping these students create their own blueprint for success rather than going online, rather than looking around and looking at what other people are doing and saying, hey, I don't measure up or I need to do this in order to be successful. Really start to reflect on what is their own sense of personal purpose. Hmm. Let's ask these questions earlier for our young women and our young men. What makes you feel fulfilled? What do you enjoy spending your time doing? And what can bring, you know, your gifts to the world? Yeah. If we start asking our young people that earlier, it, it gives them spiritual meaning, it gives them a social meaning, and it helps them become greater, con- connected to their community in a greater way. You can be so, uh, that's such a great point, because you can be so um, success-oriented or productivity-oriented. We, we just did this at Thanksgiving where... We had certain people that would get up at five thirty, five to go run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the rest of us weren't getting up like that. We're not crazy, and so we we would all hang out, have fun. But by about eight o'clock, when the party was just getting started, right. those that got up at five were falling asleep. Makes sense, right? But they're missing the party. They're missing the good moment of connection and relaxation. And so I wonder if sometimes that's not what we're doing. You call that, is that the treadmill? Is that what you call that? Um, I call it filling the box, but it's the the same idea of of running on a treadmill. The whole idea of filling the box is basically um, doing whatever you think you're supposed to be doing rather than just letting things evolve. And it's important to have goals, right? It's important, but but why do you have those goals? Asking the deeper questions about why those goals exist for you. Do they give you meaning, or are you doing them because that's what you think you're supposed to right. be doing? Back to that girl, yeah. young woman who was saying, I, I, the promotion came up, so I immediately thought that's what my next step was. Yeah, you want to get up the ladder. Exactly, but then I really reflected, is that what I want and for myself right now? And actually the answer is no. And that saying no was actually a very empowering um, decision for her because then she was able to say yes to a bunch of other things mm. that gave her more meaning. And maybe for those people, getting up at 5 a.m. W- gives them meaning, but maybe also staying up and being connected and having the social right. time and being able to just relax could give them meaning. So in a really different way. figuring out what's important to them. Well, and adapting because, you know, there's a season – Mm-hmm. There's a season and a time, and right. you know, holiday. You might only see certain people two or three times a year. It might be good to be around that one time. 
that you're seeing I, each other. I, I love your point. And one of the things I talk about in, in the social wellness chapter is all about building community because now more than ever, families can live farther apart than they ever did before. And so when, when kids are younger, if they don't have that, what I call exposure to multi-generational yeah. experiences at all times, you know, there's something really wonderful about how, speaking with your great aunt mm-hmm. about the challenges you're having in junior high because she offers a perspective. That's right. She's not your mom. Plus, they also offer dad. hands, right? They're there right. to help give you a break. They're there to watch the kids for a while. Exactly. So how can you build that community within your own family network and make that even stronger? Love it. And also look within your own community as a whole. What are the things that you're doing to build connection? Yeah. And and for, for girls, for example, sometimes parents of junior high girls will, will say, you know, junior high can be a rough place. You know, you're friends with someone one week and yeah. that turns out to not be the greatest social outlet the next week. So my thing is, is helping girls find what I call multiple um, points of connection. So maybe school isn't the yeah. right, pl- you know, maybe school things weren't going well. But maybe Anna- at ballet lessons or maybe at taekwondo or maybe in the church group. Yeah. Those are the other places outside the school. Oh. Find a place where they can belong. Did you hear that blow up, Anna? Yes. That I was Skyboy falling asleep right there. <laughs> Every once in a while, we lose him. He's my board op. Hey, um, hang on, Anna. Anna Homa Yoon is joining us. She is the author of the myth, uh, the myth of the perfect girl, helping our daughters find authentic success and happiness in school. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back. We're going to talk more about this with Anna when we get back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're taking on the myth of the perfect girl. How do we, you know, manage realistically the expectations of our young women? It's a big deal. There's a lot of pressure on them. A lot of it's not even coming from us as a family, I'm even betting. Some of it just comes from Facebook and our social media. And... Just expectations. We want to be the best we can. We want to grow. We want to thrive. We want to climb that ladder of success. The problem is uh, we've got to also make sure it's uh, up against the right wall, right? We don't want to just keep climbing because we can. We've got a wonderful guest today. Anna Homayun is joining us. She is the author of The Myth of the Perfect Girl, Helping Our Daughters Find Authentic Happiness and Success success and Happiness in School. And uh, she also... Uh, founded the Green Ivy Educational Consulting Group, which is a nationally recognized organization that helps thousands of parents and students and educators. She's a thought leader on this subject. You can find out more information if you go to her website, Anna Homa Yoon, Anna, A-N-A-H-O-M-A-Y-O-U-N.com. And if you go there, you can get uh, a guide that you can walk through with your child, your daughter, and uh, go through some wonderful activities along with her book. Anna, welcome back to the program. Thank you. So you keep talking about kind of this culture, this, uh, you know, culture, I guess, is the, the, the accumulation of thoughts and expectations and beliefs that we as a society hand down to each other. Is that fairly accurate? Right. And what has changed 
today, you know, helping parents understand what's different today. So we talked about academic expectations, technology, but this whole idea also about getting older, younger. So many girls are not just beginning puberty at younger ages, but if you look in social media, what's expected of them mm. or how they're even dressing. I always like to yeah. joke, you know, there's, there's, few, there's less fabric available today for tween girls um, when you go to the dressing room. Um, and then well, and they have adult older, clothes earlier. that they're yeah. giving. I mean, yeah. I don't remember the whole – there was some big fiasco about why are girls wearing – oh, like kind of just underwear that's adult when they're teens or girls. I mean it's – yeah, they're growing up fast. Exactly. Well, the whole idea of getting older or younger is, is also that they don't have the same chance to play and really build their own social skills, mm-hmm. communication skills, problem-solving skills, because that's what play does. Yeah. Relationship-building skills. Um, all of those things are now being shifted online, and that's not the same experience. Right. And we know, you know, there's a 2012 study from Stanford University um, where it showed that tween girls, that the more time they spent online, the more detrimental it was for their social and emotional development. And the easiest antidote was to have more face-to-face conversations. Really? Just friends? Yeah, and really being taught, because the thing that you end up having when you have a face-to-face conversation is you get to see their face. Yep. So those empathy skills, you, you can see the reaction of what you're doing, and you can see what, what ends up happening when you have this constant interchange versus when you go online and you're messaging someone back and Right, forth. yeah, you're not picking up those. And think of those skills later in life, the ability to read your own kids, your family, which yeah. again, if you're not very good at it, it seems like you'd be more stressed. Exactly. And that builds up the anxiety and it builds up this whole idea of never feeling good enough. Hmm. Wow. It's it's pernicious. It's the culture of perfectionism is it kind of attacks us on fronts that we don't even know are there. That's a really good use of the word pernicious, by the way. I just like to say that. You know what? I usually get one in five right. (laughs) And I nailed it. That was my word of the day, by the way. Okay. In my head. (laughs) Pernicious. My mom told me to use it. Um, Tell me about, you say this culture, though, of perfectionism, it it, it results, there's three kind of outcomes that are impacting the girls. What what are those? The main side effects that I see, what I call the side effects, are procrastination. So this fear and anxiety that nothing will ever be good enough. So you constantly put it off and off and off until it's due tomorrow and you're up till 11 o'clock and then you're angry and bitter and emotionally irritable. Anybody who's ever dealt with a sleep deprived girl (laughs) um, can say that it's probably a pretty painful experience. Um, And then the next thing is really insecurity. You know, they constantly are comparing themselves to external standards, others, it gets this mentality of materialism, not just materialism for things, but for accolades as well, right? Mm-hmm. What, which accolades do I have and achievements do I have versus the person next to me? And this, inter- this insecurity is what I think leads to this constant underlying competition oh, and this snarkiness. The mean that we're girl. And the meanness. You know, there's so many books out there talking about bullying and talking about meanness, but the, what I wanted to address in this book... Um, is why do we have that culture? Let's get to the root causes and let's change the culture from the root. We can tell students not to bully each other. We can tell them to be nicer to one another. But what we really need to do is help them go internally, figure out why they're doing that, and figure out why people are thinking it's okay. And it's just insecurity. And the last thing is exhaustion. Oh, 
constantly putting effort into so many different things. I mean, so many of the students that I work with are overscheduled. They're working 100 hours a week. They're going from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. every night. I was, I was talking to a bunch of young adults today, this morning, at a presentation that I was giving, and they were getting, on average, five hours of sleep per night. <laughs> And that is running what I call a sleep deficit. The National Sleep Foundation calls a sleep deficit of between three and four and a half hours of of sleep per night. So over the course of a school year, that's 50 to 60 missing nights of sleep. Oh, my word. So the exhaustion is really what's also driving all these other things. So in their their idea of, I want to do really well in school, I want to do really well in sports, I want to have it all, all the time, they're actually doing the number one thing that's holding them back yeah. from doing that. They're not it's, sleeping. Exactly. They're not sleeping, and that affects processing yeah. of learning materials. It affects emotional um, ability to cope, and it affects really their just overall mental um, wellness. I mean, they, they, you know what they are? They, um, I, we, I just heard at an assembly in high school, a high school assembly today, um, a statistic about Head Start programs. Uh, I don't know if that's a nationwide program. I'm assuming it is. It is. Yeah. Um, but the average, uh, you know, struggling family that they serve in Head Start, the average family, middle class income family is suffering from like, I think they called it three um, issues troubling issues a family at a time okay three and that could be loss of a job that could be a sick parent or a sick grandparent or something the average low income suffers seven significant issues at a time wow so i sit here and i think as you're describing these young women being raised in this culture of perfectionism they're exhausting themselves they're destroying their emotional state they're insecure they procrastinate everything i mean they sound like the, the, one of the hard – I mean, they're, they're suffering the effects of, of, a, of a life that doesn't have to be there if we could just kind of break up the culture of myth, or the right. myth of perfectionism. Right. And so this book is all about changing the culture. It's Huge. really full of prescriptive solutions of what parents can do, what educators can do, and what the young girls themselves can do. I mean, I had one college student recently tell me it's the book that talks about what everyone's dealing with but nobody is talking yeah. about. Oh, Yeah. In a way that a girl can read it and say, I see myself in this book, and these are the five or six things that I can do that are going to help me. Um, It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. A lot of the solutions are really like, so if this is really what you're dealing with, here are some ways that you can approach that. I love it. Uh, We're talking to uh, Anna Homayun, who is the author of The Myth of the Perfect Girl. Helping our daughters find authentic success and happiness in school. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, she's going to give us more how-tos, what we can do to help our young women, the, the girls in our lives, the women in our lives, to break down some of these boxes we've been talking about. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. The Matt Townsend Show, the beginning of another hour. Love Fest 2014, we call it. It's amazing. Right when that beat goes up, you can hear it. Pot it up a little bit there, big guy. You hear that? Right when that happens, everyone starts bouncing their heads. 
Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Sky's got it. Some of us more on time than others. Timing's irrelevant. <laughs> when that's all you got, Sky, that's all you got is your rhythm. It's not timing, it's rhythm. That's all I need. You've got some good rhythm. Thanks, Matt. If only you could make that rhythm make you show up on time, that'd be great. Yeah. You'd, you'd be halfway there. <laughs> we are talking today about the myth of the perfect girl and the culture of perfectionism that I don't think it's like this, uh, I don't think there's some secret alliance out there that's slowly trying to tear our young women down. I think there's a bunch of issues going on that we don't even know. Uh, we, we see them. We know they're there. We know social media impacts. We know that. We know the, the desire of a woman to grow and to be as successful as she can uh, is great. And overall, it starts to impact us. So we brought an expert in to help us with this. Anna Homa Yoon is her name. She is the author of The Myth of the Perfect Girl, Helping Our Daughters Find Authentic Success and Happiness in School. And uh, Anna has been um, at just 22 years of age. She founded a company, Green Ivy Educational Consulting. That was Anna just out there working hard, filling her box, as she's been teaching us. Uh, this Green Ivy Educational Consulting is a nationally recognized organization, and she has worked with thousands of parents and students and educators. She's been on all the top, you know, um, uh, broadcast stations, New York Times, Chicago, all the papers. She's done it all, the Huffington Post, and is on the leadership council for the Bay Area chapter of Year Up Organization, which is a nonprofit working to improve the lives of urban youth. She holds a master's degree and uh, also has a great website with wonderful videos to help you and your kids go through some of these ideas you've been learning about. Her website is anahomayoon.com, A-N-A-H-O-M-A-Y-O-U-N.com. Anna, welcome back to the program. Thank you. So what do we do? Okay, we've got this big culture of perfectionism just sneaking in. Our girls are tired. They're procrastinating. They're exhausted. They feel insecure. We have some of them turning into mean girls. You know, some are just mm-hmm. normal daughters mm-hmm. <laughs> but act a little weird every once in a while. What do we do as parents to help? What do we do to make a difference here? Sure. Well, there's three main things that I usually talk about and to, to start out with. And one of them is really um, figuring out, helping your daughter figure out what her own personal values are. And that's a question that doesn't often get asked. Oh, that's a big question. Yeah. Teens, you know, what do you value? What do you enjoy spending time doing? What are your values around, you know, work and life and school and all of those things? Starting that conversation, you are always surprised to find the answers. Oh, yeah. And so making that the foundation, because I always believe that when you have a foundation around personal values and the experiences you have and the activities you pursue and the success you attain is really based on something that's meaningful to you. So asking those questions. I love that. It seems like, by the way, Anna, not to interrupt, but it seems like if you, I love the idea that you base it in values because if you as a parent might not agree or like your daughter's activities, like her choices. I can't believe you spend so much time on social media. Right. But if we get the values straightened out, and one of her values is sociability or, um, you know, being a good friend, Mm -hmm. then, okay, we've got some common ground. Great. Okay. Right. 
and, and the other thing is, is many girls aren't seeing the connection between what they're doing and what their values are yeah. and whether or not they're aligned or not. Right. And so if we can start having that conversation, then they get to see that they have choices in what they're doing. And they actually can have more control than they think. Because a lot of times when young people don't think they have control, that's when they start making bad choices. Yeah, right. So personal values is really important. And the other thing, the reason why it's important to bring it up is that as students are going through, you know, their preteen years and their teenage years, their personal values can change. Yeah. And having the conversation with them about what those are can help them start to see, okay, as things are evolving, maybe I was interested in this activity before, but now I've really found that I, I like this more. And so is that okay to make the switch, or do I have to be bound to something I've been doing since right. I was six years old? Yeah. And we want young adults who are evolving, who are taking healthy risks, who are trying new things. Yep. And this perfectionist culture really says, you know, a lot of times, if you need to do this in order to get into college, you need to have a 12-year history with that. That's not really true. Right. You know, the, the jobs that are exist today, many of them didn't exist a decade ago. Yeah. So the personal values is the first thing. The second thing is to really help them look at their schedule. So in the, um, in the book, I talk about a scheduling sheet. So helping students map out their week. What does an average week look like? Where are you spending your time? And in doing so, helping them figure out some time management strategies around when they're doing their homework, how they're doing their homework, what, how can they be more organized. When I give a presentation at schools, I often begin my presentation with a simple question, how many of you would like seven to ten extra hours of free time per week? <laughs> and you get, you get middle school students' eyes glued on you, right? Because yeah. that's really speaking to what they want. And right. it's all about them. So when you do the scheduling sheet, help them see, okay, so are, is how you're spending your time aligning with your values of what's important to you? And when you're doing your homework, are there things that you're doing that distract you from getting the work done so you can have more free time? Mm. So all of those pieces. And, and then actually also what I call unscheduling and de-stressing. So there are times when you need to cut back and make choices. Uh, what you... A sport that you played in, you know, elementary school might not have, might have a much bigger commitment once you get into high school. Right. So what other things have to cut back in order to make sure that you're getting sleep first and focusing on personal wellness, which brings me to my third thing is really the focusing on the wellness. So shifting the conversation from achievement to wellness. And that's why, you know, as I mentioned, the last four chapters are on these different aspects of wellness. And when we do that, we focus on the habits. So instead of saying, get straight A's as a goal, focus on the habits. So getting homework done the night is a sign, doing homework without distractions, making time every week, two to three hours for a hobby. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Don't just make it the the act, right? But make it a healthy act. Exactly. What are the what are the stress relieving activities you do? I, I often say in these presentations I give at schools, I have students come up with what are the three things you like to do to relieve stress in a healthy way. Hmm. And many times they're very simple things that would take ten minutes or less, and these students rarely, if ever, do them. And I said, well, what if you made it part of your daily routine? I'm not asking you to add an hour to your day. I'm asking you to add ten minutes. Yeah. And then it becomes much more manageable. Or for the students today, in terms of sleep, you know, the ones that were getting five hours of sleep, and then they say, I need eight. How do I get there? 
And I said, don't get to eight right away. Yeah. Try to get to six. Yeah. And then when, you know, make this an incremental habitual change rather than I have to make all these changes tomorrow. Yeah, it seems like we do it uh, almost reactively. So when once our daughter's health is falling apart, she's having a breakdown, she's getting bad grades now, and she's she can't do it anymore, then we go in, bad grades, we pull, okay, give me your phone. I remember taking my phone away from my kid once. I can't remember if it was my son or my daughter, and she they were so they were unhappy. They had right. to throw the fit. But right. they the next day, like right. I took it. I, I said, "I'm taking it till you get your grades where they need to be," which right. only took a week. Right. And um, it was the greatest week. They felt they slept more. They were more mm-hmm. relieved. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, it was the most amazing thing. And all of a sudden, I realized maybe this is one of the keys: is you know the health. Go for health, not grades. Well, you also bring up a really important point around technology. Students are now getting 24-7 access to online all the time. 20 years ago, we had one phone in our house, right? And my parents didn't even get call waiting because they (laughs) thought it was rude. Yeah, what losers. And you wouldn't be on the phone 24-7, right? right? Your parents would get on the line, or my parents would, and they would be like, get off the phone at 10 o'clock at night. And yet we have these, you know, kids bring in their phones to their rooms. They, quote, unquote, use it as their alarm clock. Right. So their phone is within a five-foot radius of them when they're going to sleep. So you bring, the important point that you're bringing up is parents often need to create the structure. And yeah. when you took that phone away from your child, you created structure for them that they actually thanked you for. Well, because they never it, thanked me exactly. Well, they they didn't, but they were but, happier, yeah. and and you knew that because when they took it away, they were unhappy, right. which is kind of like that addiction, right? Yeah, the withdrawal. Exactly, it's like taking the drugs away. Exactly, but then it becomes they they're calmer, they get more sleep, they feel more relaxed. I mean, I have a, a eighth grade girl that I'm working with, and her dad. Uh, you know, there's all this software out there that now that you can. Um, control what your students are going on during homework time. So right. he blocks out YouTube, Facebook, and Tumblr, right? They're her three main things. <laughs> and she, the first three days she hated it, and now she actually goes to her dad and says, hey, can you turn off, can you turn off the social media for me for the next <laughs> two hours? And she knows that's the thing. It's all about proactively finding yeah. solutions rather than reacting when we're in, a, in, right. you know, in trouble. Or when, yeah, when your daughter's having a breakdown. Exactly. So the book is really, how can we find pro- proactive, prescriptive, practical, simple solutions? They're not expensive. Many of the, the suggestions are free or inexpensive that work yeah. and also make a difference for your own sanity as well as your children. What have you seen about parents? It seems like we not even, you know, intending to be good and helpful, uh, it seems like sometimes we put an undue burden of stress Right. On them, just simply because we know they could do better. Right. Well, there, I think there's an un, there's a, a pressure on parenting today, right, that didn't yeah. exist in the same way. Like, the same way that we see that these, there are these external standards of success for um, children, we also see parents who go online who are comparing their kids' accolades with someone else's highlight reel right. who are getting stressed out. I mean, I always will get an email, single space, two pages long from a parent who is stressed out about college or stressed out about something. And I will pick up the phone and I'll say, 
uh, who'd you run into at the grocery store? Or <laughs> did you run into someone on the soccer field? Because you were totally question. fine three, three days ago. Yeah. And that's what happens, you know, this constant comparing. And what ends up happening for parents is two things, right? Um, they're either incredibly over-involved, so their child doesn't really have time to reflect and come up with their own personal values, irrespective of their parents, because they do need to have that identity formation that happens in, as a teenager, for the, for those values to really stick. Right. You know, there's, there's so much modeling that goes on, but there's also reflection that the child has to own those values for themselves. But the second piece is, is almost unawareness, and I talk about this. I, I wrote an article today in the Huffington Post about how the no, new social media trends are hurting our kids. And much of it, it revolves around the fact that parents are totally unaware yeah. or less aware than they, they need to be around what their kids are actually on and using on a day-to-day basis. You know, I've had students come up to me after school presentations, and they say, I was on Ask FM all last year. I said, well, did your parents know about it? No, not, not at all. Hmm. And I'll ask the parents in the parents' presentation, how many of you have been on Ask FM or some other social media site? And two hands out of 200 will go up. Wow. And so the awareness is not happening at the same time as they have this over-parenting in other areas. So we right. have this dichotomy that's occurring. And I don't blame parents because so many parents are so well-intentioned. But things are just different today. And raising the level of awareness takes time. Yeah. We're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now we're in now we're on Facebook and I mean it really it, it's it's hard enough I think for them to stay up, the kids to stay up, but parents do need to to pick up their game, don't they? And yet I not think, create a lot of anxiety for their child. I think a great way to start conversations is really ask in terms of social media is really ask your children, what are their friends using? And have them give you a tutorial on how to Mm -hmm. use a certain site that they're using and explain to you all the nuances because children are great at that. Oh, yeah. And then that starts the conversation rather than don't be on social media, social media is bad, because then you're just, they're going to run into hiding. Yeah, the minute they're hiding it, you're really in trouble. And, you know, there's a study that was done in 2012 that show that 70% of teenagers actively hide their online usage from their parents. So when I do, you know, go into schools, they're telling me that they're creating multiple Instagram accounts. Oh, man. And all of these sort of things. You know, my favorite story is a parent who came up to me, and they were like, I told my child they could not be on Facebook until they're 13, and then the people you know came up in the corner as, you know, the daughter's name. Right. Like, people you should know, your <laughs> child who's on Facebook, and you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. She's been, she has, like, 2,000 followers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. She's yeah. got a lot of friends. Right, right, it's, right. It's a really – it's a, it's a big deal. What um, – we have about a minute left. Sure. What would you say is the one thing? So – Somebody that's listened to us today, they love their daughter, they want what's best for her, they don't want her exhausted and worn out. What, what's the one thing that you think is a great start that would make such a big difference? Starting the conversation around, are you doing the best you can with what you've got, and what are the things that I can do to help make things easier for you? Hmm. Asking open-ended questions in general, but really around the scheduling the personal values, and the wellness piece. Those three things. Huge. Wow, Anna. It's almost like you've done this before. Oh, 
kind of sometimes. You're a highly trained professional. Go check out uh, Anna Homayun's website. It's, you just go to AnnaHomayun.com. A N A H O M A Y O U N dot com. And what was that? What was the thing on the website that they could get the the guide? Yeah, they can click. There's a there's a little piece under the Myth of the Perfect Girl video, and it's called a reading guide. And if they click on that, it's a 20 page PDF that we put together, and mothers and daughters or fathers and daughters can uh, fill out. Can they can each do it themselves? Wonderful. Even. Um, but as a great conversation starter, you don't even have to fill it out. It's like something you can start talking yeah. about at dinner tonight. Love it. I mean, really, what a great conversation with your daughter. Anna, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. And everybody go check out Anna Homayun's website and get the myth of the perfect girl, helping our daughters find authentic success and happiness in school and life. We're going to take a break. We will be right back. We're going to continue this conversation about productivity versus happiness right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We uh, have been talking about the myth of the perfect girl, and our own Hannah Montana is now joining the show, sporting a Cookie Monster sweatshirt. Yeah, I I love this sweatshirt. It's one of my favorites. I think you've effectively blown up the myth of the perfect sweatshirt. Yeah. I have a matching t-shirt and hat, and I did not get them for myself. I have Cookie Monster onesies. (gasps) Do you know what that like means, you guys? Hold onesies. it. You have a Cookie Monster giant footsie onesie yeah. and a sweatshirt. You have a shirt and a hat. They look just like that. You know what? I think we found a match. A match like like boyfriend-girlfriend match? I don't know. She's got a boyfriend. Well. This is awkward. Does he have – does he listen to the show? No. Well, then let's talk about him. That's just weird. I have in my life never seen a Cookie Monster anything. Really? Ever. I'm actually making a Cookie Monster mug um, where in yeah. the bottom, so it has like his like eyes and then his mouth is like open, you know, like this yeah. on the bottom of the mug, but there's like a little cutout and you could put cookies in it. So there's cookies oh, that's in cute. the bottom of the mug. And then uh, I think you're going too far. No. No. This is, this is exactly your topic right now. Where... Totally saw it on Pinterest doing it. Like you're making it in like a pottery class. No, I'm buying like a pre-made one. And oh. I'm painting it. Oh, okay, cute. So, it seems like you're going for productivity, or is that for happiness? Uh, that's for happiness. I like crafts. Well, who doesn't? Um, boys. I'm very crafty. I think that means something else. <laughs> yeah. You might be crafty, but I don't think that means you like arts and no. crafts. They're different, Matt. So is it possible to be too productive? Well, productive – I was trying to think of a, a better word to describe obsessive. it. Because productive – yeah, obsessive. Product, productivity implies that you know, you're know you spending your time well, which is great. Um, but I think that um, – I've had semesters where I tell myself that I'm being productive when really I'm just being crazy. I'm packing every single minute with stuff that I just don't have time for. Because you could productively do something you shouldn't be doing at all. Yeah. (laughs) You could effectively, efficiently do something you shouldn't be doing, right? Well, yeah, and just dedicating too much time to the point where you don't have free time. I actually have some questions that I think I've learned to ask myself. Let's all ask these questions. Even you, Sky. 
Can we have you focus for a minute? I'm focused. Okay. Okay. Do you have free time? No. Oh, we're not supposed to say them out loud. I, well, my answer is no. I don't know. <laughs> free time. Do you have free time? I, I actually do, but my wife doesn't think I do. So when I'm having my free time, she looks at me like, what, you got free time? And I'm like, just taking my free time. And she's like, we don't have free time. Yeah. So I guess I don't. I thought I did. I go through spurts where I have free time and yeah. then spurts where I don't have free time. It's so nice when you do. You can just chill. So nice. That's yeah. a good question. So if we, ha- if we don't have free time, then we're probably not going for happiness. We're going for productivity. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are you doing with your free time? I can't say it on the air. <laughs> Does it have to do with the hunting? No. Deer, Deer Hunter hunting? 2014? No. <laughs> I'm now playing a new game, but I don't have my phone. Somehow I've lost my phone. Just trying to talk in the microphone it's, now. What's my phone called? <laughs> what's my game called? I have a new game. It's a wonderful game, but it's called, um, oh, I'll tell you. We need Spike. A, we need a new sound. No, maybe it's not Spike. Uh, anyway. Just this is my new thing, and again, I think I'm 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 probably gonna go to the Olympics in Spike Two. Is this a volleyball game? Nope. It's just a dot that you try to race, and you have to jump other dots. Wow. It's pretty, and it's harder than you'll ever game believe. Game over. Um. Anyway, so that's what I do in my free time. What do you do, Sky? Oh, variety of things. Well, his is off and on. Yeah, his doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> what other questions? These are fun. Um, Going back to my list. Okay. Um, how much is work and how much is play? Seven. Sky? Fourteen. Okay. Um, nine. How much is work? <laughs> how much well, of my life is you, work? How much of my life is play? So when, you, when you're looking at productivity, one of the things that's great about being productive is usually the stuff that you're working really hard on you find very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times – My whole life, play. <laughs> really. Well, I like every part of my life. There's my definitely job. stuff that that happens. What I'm glad that you've found a place where you can do everything that you love. But there's still hard stuff that you don't want to do, and you you do have to do it. But if you don't have a balance between also doing stuff that you love, that was last night. Yeah, it's Christmas stinks. lights it's Christmas. on the house. <laughs> Christmas lights. My parents wouldn't let us do Christmas lights. Well, I wouldn't let my kids do it, so they let me do it. <laughs> and now I did Christmas lights, and I almost died. And I I went to the store and bought some, and then I stepped on them, and oh broke them. Oh my goodness! That's and so I had to go back to the store and buy more. Wow! And then so I exciting. climbed a ladder that we had to borrow. I didn't have a ladder to get on my roof. I and then hate I almost died. Shopping for like one thing, I. I was looking – it's really bad. I'm spending like $40 on groceries a month. Whoa. That is not good because so, on, I why? hate shopping, so I'll just like starve. Oh, that's bad. So, it's a lot of top runs. Well, I'll go shopping for groceries like once every other month. So I get like milk and then when it runs out, Once a runs month? Out. Your milk is once a month. I think I went grocery shopping once this semester. Do you just eat out a lot? Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. 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 This thing is if I'm spending that much, it means I'm not eating a lot and then also eating out, which is not good. Anyways, I have two Jeez. more questions. Yep. What is making you busy? So what are the things that are – they're filling up your time and evaluating school. whether they have – School for you. School, 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 I have school. To, I have to write a lot of Value. reports about the show. Like when we make an error on the show, usually they're technical errors from the technical <laughs> side. So I spend a lot of time doing reports – we that sounds like it, a waste of time. We just call them Skyports. <laughs> <laughs> and they're usually about Skyboy. 
that's my time. Um, Glad I give you a job. Yep. So if it weren't good. for me, you wouldn't have anything to do. Nope. I just get to go home after the show. Okay. <laughs> nope. Last one. Um, go to the moment where you've had a long day or, you know, the multiple days in a row where you're doing a long day. Before you go to bed, do you feel happy? Do you feel accomplished? Do you feel like it was time well spent? Or are you just feeling totally overwhelmed? Because if you're feeling overwhelmed, you might just need to <laughs> readjust some stuff. I don't feel anything. <laughs> I'm numb at that time. I'm numb. I guess that's bad. So you're coping and just not even allowing yourself to well, feel the pain. Well, plus I'm medicated. <laughs> I've got my NyQuil on board. That's interesting. You should try ZQuil just so you know. It's no. actually not for colds. No and it will help you sleep. Oh, you passing a text message? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not for you to see. Apparently it's about me. Well, um, I think that's very insightful. I think I've definitely found out I'm more for product- productivity than happiness, which means I'll probably die young. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks again, Hannah. You're welcome. Cookie Monster shirt. We're going to take a break and come right back. And... Uh, one of our great contributors has fallen uh, ill with a cold today. Meg Conley won't be joining us. She is joining us. Ah! Well, we're going to work her over. Uh, Meg Conley is going to be joining us next with a cold. She won't even be in here, so we can't see what she's wearing, but we'll have her describe it in vivid detail. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Standing by on her deathbed is our great friend, Meg Louise Conley, who is very near leaving this mortal earth. Meg, are you there? Yes, just for you guys. Hold on. Is this Meg or is this Meg's husband? This is this, Meg. Is this Riley? This is Meg. How are you, Riley? Your voice sounds weird. <laughs> You know, when you're so close to death, that that is how one's voice begins to sound. You've never been there, Matt. Never. But you, are you going? You sound like you're going through that change. Right. Well, it was. You know, I'm 29 years old. It was yeah. bound to happen. It was bound to happen, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> how are you, Meg? So you're sick. I'm. I'm doing better. I'm. You know, I got a stomach bug. Ooh. <laughs> oh, is that the problem? So it's not like a cold. No, it's not like a cold, but. But I, I, you know, my voice, it's, it's affected everything at this point. Okay, yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah, once you, yeah. How how Zuzu and Viola? I think we they're talked doing, to both of them, but they didn't, you know, you got to teach your kids to answer the phone. Right. <laughs> they're, doing, they're doing good. They're both getting over being sick. So, okay. so they're better than I am. So they've been <laughs> sick and now you're sick and you're, right. but you're still willing to do the show even though you have the stomach flu. You guys, I'm just hoping at some point, you know, you start baking me brownies because I'm so awesome. You know what? So, <laughs> Meg, if we could bake a brownie, we would have done it by now. <laughs> I don't think you'd want brownies that we've baked. Yeah. Well, I'm want... gonna take some sort of gift card at Christmas, then yeah. that's fine. That's by the way, fine. talk about the stomach flu. You probably don't want our brownies. That's true. 
that's true. Anything you could provide, I'm not very interested in. Meg, this <laughs> I know that's the sad thing. If you want some top ramen, I could make you some top ramen. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'll give you my address at the break. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, here's the deal, Meg. We had to have you on today because yeah. I, we've been. Have you been listening to the show? I've I've gotten little snippets. I've been streaming it. Great show. Yeah, you haven't been listening, have you? I, I, I got about five minutes. <laughs> Is that in between, like, when you run to the bathroom because you're sick? Basically, right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So here's the deal. We've been talking about the myth of the perfect girl. Right. And this I don't right know. Up my that, alley. I know. I'm, like, thinking, have you ever dealt with that? I mean, right. you've, never, you've never talked about that, have you? I only write about it every week at meganprogress.com. Meg in progress. And by the way, when you have the stomach flu, Meg is in progress. That's right. I, I'm not even going to follow that well, one up, Matt. D- tell me about <laughs> see you're because you're you. Everyone needs to go check out Meg in Progress, the website, because as a blog, it touches on the power of women, the importance of women. Um, I think it gives us a different um, take, like and not like a, you know, you're not anti man. No, no. I just, I just am. You know, I had daughters, and I was. With uh, walking with them one day a couple years ago, and I realized I'm not raising little girls; I'm raising women. And oh my mm. gosh, what did that mean? And so the blog is kind of um, an experiment in trying to under- understand that. So no, I'm not anti-man; I'm okay, pro-woman. They're yeah. not mutually exclusive, no, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you've got Riley, your husband. Yes, he's the best. So, and uh, by the way, how did you get the stomach flu? Um, you know, I'm blaming the two-year-old. We were in New Mexico all last week. Okay. And so you have all that chili. One thing leads to another. Yeah. Maybe your stomach just can't boom, handle boom, it. I don't boom. know. But you were in the yeah. New Mexico, not the other Mexico. Right. New Mexico. Have you ever been to New Mexico? I have. It's the I, best. I did. It's a great town. Great yeah, place. Yeah, green chili, red chili. <laughs> I spent a week there one on night. on top of everything. No, it's, it really is a great state. And uh, Albuquerque, come on. That's the best place. They have, they have one of the best the Mexican restaurants in the history of the world at the airport. I, I, I don't want to offend your Albuquerque listeners. No way. But if you're from New Mexico, you know that southern New Mexico has the real New Mexican food. Really? You find it in Las Cruces. Is that where so, you went? That's where I go. Okay, yes. that's where we got stomach flu. <laughs> right. Okay, just, let's just get it out of the air. We're, we're going to make it through it, though. So. Okay. I'm going to be okay. Yeah, you're going to have all the people in Las Cruces mad at you now. Right, right. So help us with this. Uh, what do we need to know about kind of this expectation of perfection for okay, women? Okay, so this is so fortuitous that we're talking about this today because um, actually on the blog I wrote a piece about this I just published today. Really? And, and it's about um, this concept of why is a woman worse? Right? Yeah. What like what makes the that what makes women valuable? How do we know how do we know that we have intrin how do we know that we have value? And in the piece I write that um just being a woman gives you intrinsic worth. I think that I've had so many conversations with um dear dear friends that and you know, the words are different but the meaning is basically always the same. And they say things like, um I wish 
I wish I could be like these other women that I see on the internet or on TV. Um, I find satisfaction in making beds and making dinner. What's wrong with me? Uh, yeah. um, I I want a career and I want children. Is that all right? And so there's and but at the end of it, what they're really saying is, I want to have value. I don't feel that I have it now. How do I get it? Hmm. And so I, I think that we need to retool the conversation and help our little girls understand that they were born with a value, an intrinsic value that they cannot change. Love that. And so I think that that is huge, right? So it's not and about so, accomplishing it, something so you can be valuable. Right. You're, you're saying you, you're born with it. It's it's in right. you. And you know what? And honestly, I, I had someone ask this on the blog today. Well, what if you're a horrible person? Do you lose your value then? And I said, no, because the value doesn't belong to you. It's a part of you, but it doesn't belong to you. You can't damage your value the same way that you can't raise it. Now, can you do good things? Can you do good works? Absolutely. Can you find fulfillment? Absolutely. But, And I say this in the blog post where I think as women, we need to understand, okay, if you want to be a mother, be a mother. If you want to write, write. If you want to have a career, have a career. These things you want to do, these passions, these achievements, they're good, but they do not define you. They merely reflect you. And so I think... I think that as women, when we are able to understand that, if we wake up knowing that we were born good enough and that there is nothing we can do to take away from that, how much easier is all the world-conquering and dream-making do we want to do? You don't have that pitfall of, am I good enough? I love that. I feel feel motivated just hearing that because I I really – and then I went to your website. Oh, and I do curse once. No, I saw it. No, I saw it. Believe me. But that that was obviously an accident because, yeah, you were sick. Um, But in your in your picture, if you use them the right way, they're the only words. Well, you're you're a writer. You're an author. You want to use the words. Is there's a picture of you? Is that you sitting on the moon? I wish. That's from the 1920s. That's a great one, though. That's a great picture. Yeah, it's a great picture. I I try and put a few pictures of myself on there. I noticed that. See, but we need to talk about that because you are of of infinite worth. I am. I am. I just am afraid of cameras, probably for other reasons. (laughs) You know. We are of infinite worth. And this applies to men, too, obviously. It does. Like I said, I mostly write about women. Why is that? Um, I mean, when you think about it, men are very interesting to write about. They are. Like right they now. They are. I could write right now about Skyboy leaning back in oh, his chair Skyboy, playing a video game. You. Yeah. Oh, he should be paying attention to what I'm uh, saying. Yeah, I know. I am really offended. I'm going to come give him the stomach flu. Oh, bring it on. Why don't you make him some brownies? Make him some food. He'll eat it anyway. He doesn't care. Uh, he will. He's he got the will. gut of a cow. <laughs> he's got a couple guts then. Yeah, he's got like four. <laughs> he's got four guts. He's he's yeah, he's from Iowa. Oh, well. He's cornbread. <laughs> hey, um how g- give me this cuz one thing it's one thing to say to a woman or a girl or a young woman that you are you have this intrinsic value. It's another thing right. to get them to buy into it. Yeah, so so you have to start young. And yeah. because and and I know that's hard because it's like, well, what about, 
what about me? I'm, I'm 25, I'm 35, I'm 45. What if it didn't start young? Then you have to tell yourself every day and you have to decide to believe it. And that, that can be difficult, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping with my daughters, I'm able to do it right from the start with them. Because if we can quiet that voice that we're probably all born with that tells us that we're not good enough, if we can quiet that early enough, I think that the things this generation will be able to do will be huge. Yeah. You know, our our um our great grandmothers, our grandmothers, even our mothers were women in a time when um Womanhood was something that was supposed to be built upon rather than embodied. And I think that we're finally almost getting to the point where we feel comfortable being women and comfortable accepting what that means. Um, and I think that my generation has done an okay job doing that. If for the next generation we can raise them up with this knowledge of value. But, you know, unfortunately, um, this reasoning kind of flies in the face of a lot of um, on-trend psychology. Mm. And, and, it, and this, I had a commenter on this, um, on this post that I just wrote. She actually emailed me. And she said, um, you know, I don't buy into what you're saying because I don't think that everybody has value. And she said, you know, she uh, she doesn't she doesn't believe in God. She doesn't um, she is she said she was a relativist and and that is difficult because from her reality I could see sure I could see where she had a problem with what I was saying and so and so I don't think that it works for everyone but I do think that it can work for most people and I think that we need to to reinforce positive reinforcement tell them tell them every morning my daughter thinks I'm crazy she's four and I I actually tell her every day you are so valuable do you know how valuable you are and she thinks I'm crazy (laughs) but hopefully hopefully when she's 14 15 and that voice gets a little bit louder for a second she'll remember her crazy mom when she was four and that memory will override I love that. You just drill it in them until they get it. You do. Well, that's what you do with multiplication. So why wouldn't we do that with other truths? That's a great idea. Like when they're sick and they've got the stomach flu, you're like, has mama told you how valuable you are to mama? Do you know what I love is um, when you called, my oldest is laying down upstairs in my room, and I was like, I know that you're tired and you're going to need me, but I can't talk to you for a half hour. (laughs) You're valuable and everything, but shut your mouth and leave the room. But but mommy's on the phone. (laughs) No, how many times have I done that? You know. (laughs) But you know what? What's the worst thing that can happen? What? They never talk to you again. Yeah, honestly, that after today, I'd be okay with that for a little while. <laughs> yeah, but you, you're you're gonna you're gonna make this work. I can already tell, Meg, because you're you've, you're on it. Your your kids, right. your daughters are gonna get it. I think the problem with your kids is gonna be their names. Their names are awesome, Matt. Zuzu, okay? like and Zuzu, Viola, Margaret Zuzu, and Viola Honey, and they are the coolest names that ever existed in the history of names. They're gypsies. Those are names of gypsies. It's like like really traditional meets whimsical. So fun. Whimsical? Sure, sure, honey. That's like a whimsical middle name. And Zuzu, that's super whimsical. I thought you called me honey right there. (laughs) Oh, no. Not yet. Viola honey, huh? (laughs) Yeah, Viola honey. That's cute. Now, what did Riley say when you said, I've got the names? What did he say? He He said, you're carrying the baby whatever you want. Wow. I was like, thank you. That That's guy's how I whipped. I thought I had it. <laughs> Is he whipped? You've whipped him, Meg. 
not whipped. He just knows. He just knows which battles to pick. That's true. And so, and so, when he picks a battle, I know he's serious about it. And I'm like, all right, all right, Riley, you get this one. That's we can cool. buy the 50 inch TV. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's a great battle. See. You're a great wife. Um, I'm a really good wife. When you guys have another baby, can I name the next one? Deal, deal. I if, really... if there's ever another one, we'll enter your name into consideration. Well, don't even enter it. Just take it. Okay. This is, um, Meg, people, when they go to your uh, your blog, what's really powerful, I think, about you is you, you say it, right? You say, you say it. You're not right. afraid to say it. Here's the thing, it's just truth, right? Like, we shouldn't be, everybody's so afraid of truth all the time. Yeah. Well, why not just have a conversation about it? It's not going to change by not talking about it. And so, especially within within the place, so I live in Utah, and within Utah, this bubble, there is a lot of, pro- women have a lot of problems with self-worth. It's a huge thing. Sure. And, um... They demand a lot of each other, and they demand a lot of of themselves, and um, and it's become toxic. So instead of so we we you know dance around it, and we don't talk about it, and then it just keeps getting you know smellier and smellier. Why not just have the conversation and clear the air? Why not just make it better? Love it. You know, you're you're like you're you're living on the edge. Hey, you I didn't don't have many friends. Okay, you know your quote from you know your quote from Meg in Progress today? What? That you made a meme. I made a meme? Oh yes, that quote. Yes. You haven't like given Can I read that quote? Please do. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> That's me clearing my throat. Here's the question <laughs> from meganprogress.com. What if we all took a breath and felt that our worth is intrinsic and not made more or less by our works? What if the value of a woman is determined simply by her being, by the act of her very creation? What if everything else is important but not fundamental? What if we finally, eagerly, happily decide that we are essential? <laughs> That's good. That was awesome. No one's ever quoted me to me before. I just did it. I just meme quoted you Yay! on the radio. That's great. That's so great. That's a great quote. But, like, seriously, what if... Our value, our worth, was in, was seen as intrinsic, not a function of our works. Right. Well, it, I think I think that it would enable us to have to do more, to be more involved in yeah. work, to to achieve more. I think that it would remove one of those, you know, final stumbling blocks that that constantly um, provide obstacles to everybody. Yeah. And and I I know that talking about it is easy, but but since it is true, since I really think that that is a fact, not just something that we're trying to make believe into reality, since right. it is true, how, I, I, I think it could be revolutionary. Totally. What, what if we, how would I judge somebody if I thought your worth was inherent, but your right. works were a little messed up? I would judge right. you different. I would treat you different. I would, right. I would try to fix this differently. I would go to war not. I would right. do different things. Right. Exactly. Well, and even, and even you know, on a, on a smaller scale, the stuff that makes up the misery of women's lives. I mean, you know, who would we bake bread for? Who would we invite over? Who would we, you know, you know? How would you diaper differently? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, there are there are things that I can look at in my life that I would do differently day to day if every person that I met I acknowledged had the same star shined value 
as I did, as the next person did. I mean, that was revel. And, and women, women are revolutionaries. Like we oh, are yeah. suffragettes. We are, we are Eve. I mean, women see something and they want to change it. Yeah. So why not change this? We could do this. It's just that, you know, you don't get to gossip and do it. And so it's not as fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You got to have character <laughs> and do it. Um, well done, my friend. And Yay. you couldn't you couldn't have done better. Give Zuzu and Viola a big hug from Uncle Matt. Okay, I will. I'm going to bring them in to meet you before I, Christmas, Matt. No, do, and you're going to think they're the coolest. No, do I do for sure? I'll dress up as an elf. <laughs> I can see that. I'll I dress up that. like Skyboy. <laughs> but um, one more thing, um, I am going to make you some chili and bring it over. Okay. Is today a good day? <laughs> Chili, that sounds great. Does that sound great on that stomach? Okay. Well, Meg, you're the best. Go back to sleep. Okay, thanks, Matt. Take care. Well done. She's the bomb. Meginprogress.com. Meg Conley. Mother, wife, chili eater. Cool lady. We're taking a break. We're going to come right back. We're going to wrap up the show, and we're going to all describe what is perfect to us. Perfect meal, perfect date. Sky's going to describe the perfect haircut. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up the show, The Myth of the Perfect Girl. I've never seen Sky more depressed now that we've blown up the idea that there is a perfect girl out there, Sky. There is a perfect girl? Oh, the no, myth that the myth there, is there is a perfect girl. We've blown it up. Yeah. That there is a myth of a perfect We're girl. We're kind of like myth busters, aren't we? Yeah. I don't think there's a perfect guy either. Whoa. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Let's not jump to conclusions there. By the way, my point exactly. (laughs) So to wrap up the show, I thought it'd be fun that we all just describe something we think is perfect. And we're all going to just have our view of what you think is perfect. This is one of the problems with perfection is what you think is perfect is not my perfect. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Give me your view. Well, give me something you would describe as perfect. Perfect meal, perfect date, perfect hairdo. Merit. Everybody's running away from the mics, so I guess this is my turn. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. Perfect food. I'll go with mm, that one first because it's really easy. That. What? Um, <laughs> okay. Just go to your grocery store. Get the Lint dark chocolate caramel bar. Uh, dark chocolate sea salt yeah. caramel. Okay. Is that it? That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, just you eat it. Oh, we I gotta mean, eat it. Okay. That that is a perfect chocolate bar, just in my opinion. Chocolate. What is it? It's a lint, and it's dark chocolate mm. with sea salt and caramel. Sea salt. Yes. Yeah, that's not where I'd go. <laughs> Cinnabon. Yes, I was going to say cinnamon rolls. Oh, yeah, I'd go <laughs> yeah. to Cinnabon, and I wouldn't even do the whole bon. Just the cinna. I'd do the cinna in the cinna. <laughs> just mm. take out the the cinnamon roll cores. <laughs> yeah. Like gloppy, I want, goopy I want goodness. It cord. I want it cored. 
Cinnabon. Let's face it, no one likes the outside. No. It's just what we have to go through nice, to get to the center. Nice, and I want it heated, not hot, but warm enough that it's ooey-gooey and that I don't want any kids around. You know, Cinnabon has a little cup you can buy that so-called has just the middle part. The cinnamon. So I asked them, I said, so do you just throw the rest of the cinnamon roll away? And they're like, actually, it's a whole cinnamon roll. We just label it as the center of the cinnamon roll. See that? See, they break, it up, they break it up into pieces. But see, you just blew my... it. You just blew it. You blew up the myth. <laughs> so now I know how you feel. You blew up the myth of the Cine Centers. That was bad. So that's how you feel when I blew up the myth of the perfect girl. Uh, yep. Totally Synonymous. the same. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, to me, that's perfection. Right yeah. there. I wouldn't mind a lint chocolate on it. You could pour that on there. Melt it. In fact, you could just pour that on me, and I'd be delighted. Please don't. What, what's your perfect? Perfect afternoon. Get up around 9. Wow. Go on a bike ride. Don't see anyone from high school. <laughs> Get home. Go to sleep. Pow. How long was your bike ride? About five, six hours, let's say. Hold on. That's your perfect afternoon? That would be a fantastic afternoon. If I could do that and not have put anything off and also not see anyone uh, I went to high school with, win. Wow. Not even close to perfect. Exercise. Okay. What were you gonna, what, what would be your perfect afternoon, Skyboy? I think I could have a lot of perfect afternoons. Yeah. I would love to be in Hawaii. Okay. And, You're getting close. And I would love... To wake up and go scuba diving in Hawaii, and find a cinnabon in your snorkel. That's later. <laughs> okay, I don't want to. I don't want a soggy cinnabon. <laughs> okay, what else? Um, You're getting closer. And then after scuba diving, cinnabons, yeah, or cinnamon rolls, any yeah. any type. Would you lay out? Get would, some they, sun? would they deliver it to you in a snorkel? No, okay. no. Snorkel. A mermaid. A mermaid. I could, can go behind that. Okay, she could bring me a cinnabon. But it can't uh, be soggy. I got one. A mermaid on a unicorn. See, I don't have the same fascination with unicorns that you do. How about a mermaid on a Cinnabon, giving uh, you Cinnabons? Yeah, that's that's more like it. <laughs> and now it just got creepy. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I think we're hungry. Uh, so that's it. That was your perfect day? Uh, there, there could be more stuff. Well, how there. about food? Bring some food into it. I guess Cinnabon Cinnabons. is. But I mean, you got to have a meal. You're okay, gonna, I, really, uh, I really like, I mean... Steak oh. or turkey mm. and mashed potatoes and gravy, kind of like Thanksgiving. I had all scallops and, and rolls. Really? Like recently, I love it. it. Was just a mountain of scallops, a heap of scallops, heap. Okay, well, see, I think we've just proven the point. Your perfection's not my perfection. It's all a myth. Now we're going to wrap it up with a quote from our own Bryce Lamar Tobin. He's got a quote on perfection, right? Perfection is not in the achievement. It is in the act of striving. There you have it. Strive away, children. Keep striving. The myth of perfection. Blowing it up. You know, just keep working. We're here for you. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow with more great ideas, tools, solutions to help you through this great thing we call life. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio.